Well, this morning, I'm going to get back into this series and finish it out called It Matters. We've talked about how our thoughts matter, how our words matter, how our actions matter, and now this morning, I'm going to deal with the final piece of this, which is our habits matter. All of our actions make up habits, right? So I think this is the ending piece, the concluding piece, the capstone of this series. And you guys can just shout amen, even though you might not be sitting physically with me this morning. Just go ahead and shout amen and join in with us. Thank God for the live stream team that I have working with me today. So if you would, open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm going to read a few verses of scripture from chapter 12, Hebrews. Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, pursue peace with all people. And this term pursue here really is a powerful, strong term in the Greek language. Go after it. Go after it. Seek after it. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears." So the context of this passage really is encouraging, the writer is encouraging his readers to not fall away from the faith. If you read Hebrews, that's what it's about from start to finish. He's encouraging people not to fall away from the faith. And so he gives us some instructions as to how not to fall away from the faith. And that is, pursue peace and pursue holiness. Pursue peace and pursue holiness. Now, let, last week I talked about Thomas Aquinas, and I might as well go back and finish out the whole issue with Thomas Aquinas. So y'all hang on with me. I hope you're, hope you're sitting still right now listening. So Thomas talks about developing habits, and it goes back to the ancient Greek philosophers, actually. Aristotle, who taught about how to pursue the good life. And Thomas says that the goal of the human person is to pursue the good. Not just good things or just fun things. I'm talking about the good in life. The best that we can achieve in life as human beings. That's what we're created for. So how do we get there? Well, we get there through making decisions in our will according to reason. This is what Thomas would say that accord with reason, and those will lead us to the best decisions, which will lead us to developing habits, or as he puts it, virtues that will lead us to holiness. So people aren't created in a day. Holy people aren't created in a moment, in a day. Holy people are created in process. Granted, there is an entry point. 
There is a point where you're born again. There's a point where God sanctifies you. There's a point where you're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's these points in your Christian walk that open the door to holiness, but true holiness then must be pursued. It must be sought after and pursued by developing habits or virtues in your life. Healthy habits, godly habits, godly virtues in your life that bring you to that end point. Can somebody shout amen? Now Aristotle and Aquinas both said this, that there are four cardinal virtues or four primary overarching virtues. One of them is justice. And that is the disposition of the will to give others what is coming to them. You know, whether it be a blessing or honor or favor or some sort of punishment in the courts of law. It justice gives what someone has coming to them. The second cardinal virtue is temperance. And temperance moderates the passions of the soul so that we keep, we keep our passions in check. We don't become stoics or passionless people but we use our passions and, and we use them according to reason, okay? So, for example, maybe you have a, a passion for eating. Well, reason and temperance allows you to eat the right things and the right amount. That passion for eating unchecked just makes you go hog wild and you're going to pay for it later, right? So temperance tempers the passion. Thirdly, there's courage, Courage is that virtue that gives us the ability and boldness to act and do what we already know is right, but maybe we lack the fortitude to do it. Courage comes and gives us that, and it's a virtue. And then finally, he would say there's the virtue of prudence, which is the most important. And prudence tells us the right time to do something and how to do it, when and how. Prudence is the virtue that causes that to happen in our life. So, so much for a lesson in philosophy this morning. I think it's really important that we understand these things. We have a will. We should act according to reason. And as we develop the habits or virtues, we become more easily bent toward the right thing. As you do the right things... And as you're trained and mentored by the right people who've gone through life before you and teach you how to do the right things, it becomes easier to do the right things. Now, there's an opposite to virtue, and that's called vice. And you can train yourself to the bad just like you can to the good. You can train yourself to do bad things, to make the wrong decisions, to make decisions that lead you into bad habits that produce vice in your life, and it, and, it, and it does not lead you to the good. It leads you to the less than good, and I'm going to put it this way, the less than what God made you for. God made you for the best life. He made you to live a life of holiness, of joy, of peace, of love, of blessing to others, of using the gifts that God has placed in you. And you're only going to get to that point by practicing virtue in your life. That is the right habits. Come on. Somebody shout hallelujah. Okay. Craig Rochelle says this, and I think it's really profound. He said that people often don't rise to the level of their goals, but they rise to the level of, or they, but they fall to the level of their systems. 
They, people often don't rise to the level of their goals, but they fall to the level of their systems. And what Craig Rochelle is saying is that our habits are our systems. They're systems we've developed in our lives of living. And, and if you want to see what someone will accomplish in life, or how far someone will climb, or what they will do for the Lord, we often just have to look at the systems they've placed in their lives. Because if they have the wrong systems or wrong habits, they're not going to achieve what God has called them to do. But if you do the right things and have the right habits and systems in your life, it's going to work. The right systems will cause you to achieve the right goals. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah with me this morning out there. All right, I'm going to give you three systems or habits that I want you to develop in your life. And to some of you, this is going to seem like kindergarten, like like preschool. You've already done this. Well, for you, just listen and let it encourage you to do all the more. But if some of you are not doing these things, then I want you to begin. Let 2022 be the year that you start and you begin working these systems and building these systems in your life. I'm not preaching, here's a little caveat or an excursus, I'm not preaching salvation by works here, I'm not pushing grace to the side, we know we're all going to heaven by the blood of Jesus and that alone, we know we're saved by grace alone, we know it takes faith to get into the kingdom, I can't buy my way in, work my way in, we all got that, right? I'm talking about perfecting your life in holiness, and we know we all have to go to the cross and allow God to break off stuff in our lives that is not right, I know that, but still yet, you have to pursue holiness, without which no man will see the Lord. You still have to live it once you get in it. Okay, number one, I want you to develop this in your life. I want you to get in Christian community. I want you to get in Christian community. Notice the Bible says, Acts 2.42, talks about the early Christian community. It says, and they continued steadfastly. That's an important word. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. The early church continued steadfastly. People say, we should have a church like the book of Acts. Remember all those miracles they had and all the wonderful things they did? Yeah, but you know what the the condition was? They continued steadfastly. Daily, it says, they went to the temple in prayer. And then continually... They were with each other, house to house, breaking bread, fellowshipping, listening to the apostles' doctrine. You can't have a book of Acts church and not get in Christian community. You can't have a book of Acts church and just give God and the community of God about 5% of your time. You just, it's just going to take more than that, church. I'm just telling you. It's the way it is. They, cha- they continued steadfastly, steadfastly. When we get with our Christian brothers and sisters, it sharpens us. When we get with people of faith, it sharpens us. Because we were meant to live in community. And when we get with people, we're encouraged we're corrected, we see someone's gift and it encourages us to push it a little stronger, or we see someone weak and we want to go over and help them out. To those of you who've been married, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Marriage is a discipleship project. It really is. When you get married, you live with someone and you 
and as the years go by, it, one man said marriage is like Paul where he said, I die daily. You take that on in marriage because you start dying to all of your self and you serve someone else in your life. And then often your flaws rise to the top and you see them and you're like, oh gosh. But yet you're pouring into someone else and you see their flaws. And you have to just work through it and get over it and grow up and mature. And then you move beyond just romantic love and you move into real deep love and cherishing someone. That's what happens in marriage through the years. It's God's system of sharpening you and discipling you. Now for the singles in the room, hey, you know, I'm not putting you down either. Sometimes God has called people to be single because he has a special purpose for you, and that's fine. But those of you who've been married, you know what it is to sharpen and sharpen. It's the same thing in Christian community in the church. We need each other. A, a few chapters before in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, the writer said this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Encouraging one another all the more as you see the day appearing. He said, don't stop meeting together, but get together and encourage each other, and it's becoming all the more important as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Hallelujah. Thank God we've had, a, we've had an interesting couple of years here with COVID and different things going on. And I thank God for the online capacity we have and live stream capabilities. Thank God you guys have joined us and some people have not been able to get out or, or some people are watching us where they, don't, they, they can't drive here. And I thank God that you're able to watch us online and we've put a lot of effort into this. Hallelujah. And it's just another step to create Christian community to create, to encourage you to keep going in your faith. Rub shoulders with some believers. I've always said this in our church, it's my goal to see each person involved in two different groups in our church. Number one is a ministry team, a team that you can get on where you use your gifts and you use your talents for the Lord, whether it be teaching or music or sound or nursery or children or youth or outreach or benevolence or whatever, you get involved where you can give out and bless somebody. And then on the other hand, I want to see people involved in a small group, life group type setting where you can be poured into and develop that true Christian community with other people. So you can be in a group that get, where you give out and a group where you get poured into because we live in Christian community. Think about this. In the New Testament, the term one another occurs 56 times. 56 times that I can find the term one another occurs. We are to love one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. And I couldn't believe it. When I went through this list preparing for this sermon, I, could, I, thought, I thought render each one a holy kiss, you know, greet each other with a holy kiss. I thought that was like once in the Bible. I found it like four times in the New Testament, not getting any ideas here for church, but I'm just saying it's in there. One another, one another, honor one another, owe one another nothing, judge not one another, build up 
up one another. Accept one another. Have the same mind with one another. Admonish one another. Let us become not boastful, but challenging one another. Let us bear one another's burdens. Let us be kind to one another. Let us speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Let us regard one another as more important. Let us encourage one another. Live in peace with one another. Seek after that which is good for one another. Encourage one another. Do not speak against one another. Don't complain against one another. Confess your sins to one another. Fellowship with one another. Hallelujah. On and on and on. The church is meant to be lived together. I challenge you, get in Christian community. Get in Christian community, lock in, stop being a church hopper. Come on, get involved, get involved, get in. Well, hallelujah. Number two, you, to, to, to grow, I want you to develop this habit, this virtue in your life to take you into the depths of holiness and the depths of the good that God has for you. Number two, you need to become a learner. You need to become a learner. The term disciple, in its most basic interpretation or, or, or definition, is a learner. One who learns. One who dedicates himself or herself to learning. So when Jesus called people to come and be his disciples, he was calling them to come and learn of him, learn of his ways, follow him, and then emulate his life and actions. That's what a disciple is. One who follows and learns. Notice what Paul told Timothy in his last letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy 2.2 2. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust these to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. Paul's saying the things that I've taught you as my disciple, Timothy. I want you to pour that in to other people, who will then in turn pour that in to other people? Okay, the Christian life is a relay race. The Christian life is a relay race. We who are, you guys are in my generation. We're carrying a baton. And then our job is to pass that baton down to the next generation to communicate what we've learned our values, what God has taught us, the practices and habits of a holy life, we're to pass that down to the next generation. Hopefully, we've had it passed to us from a previous generation. You guys know in Fountain of Life, I talk constantly about my grandparents who poured things into me, or the old-timers that I went to church with and I grew up in church with who passed stuff on to me. Some people only see the bad of that. They only see some of the legalism or some of the things they didn't like about it. Well, I'm telling you, get beyond that and see the gold that they passed down to us. A lot of the peripheral stuff I see now in Christianity and a lot of the fluff and the lack of depth I see in Christianity was not the case with the older generation. Maybe they didn't have all the lights and sound and maybe didn't have all the frills, but they did have a depth and a connection with God that I want in my life and I want to pass down to my kids and to my grandkids. 
I want them to have that sense of holiness about them, that sense of connection where that, that the old-timers learned of God. They learned the ways of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's why church is about multiple generations coming together and sharpening one another. The older generation that's been through the fires and learned, they teach us how we should do it. They teach us a sense of holiness and respect for the Lord. They teach us the things they've learned. Then the younger guys that come in who get all fired up and saved, they kind of fire us up. They teach us to get with it. Don't be sedentary in your Christian faith, but really get after it and be on fire. So the believer is a constant learner. I want to challenge you to become a constant learner for the Lord. Learn from people who are older in the faith than you. Learn from people who've gone through some battles that you haven't faced yet. And then I want you to become a learner of the Word of God. I want you to become a learner of God's Word. Whatever it takes in 2022, get back into the Bible. Pick it up off the shelf. Get you a Bible reading plan and and and. Don't get caught up in the genealogies. Do not start in the book of Leviticus, okay? Get, get you, some, get you a, a reading plan with someone who knows what they're doing. Start in the Gospel of John or start in the Gospel of Mark and then take in a little Genesis. And, and it might take you two years, it might take you three years, or maybe you're just one of those get-it-done people. You're going to do it in a year. I don't know, but just start reading through the Bible. Fountain of Life, folks, get with me on Wednesday nights. Every Wednesday night, I teach the Bible. I've been doing it for years and years and years. In our church, we have life groups. We have Sunday school classes. We have various opportunities for you to get in the Bible and study. There's no replacement for that. There's, it's like it's like basketball. I played basketball when I grew up, and there's no replacement for learning how to dribble, box out, shoot, run the court. There's no there, there's no replacement for that. You have to go by even the pros have to have that stuff down and know the fundamentals. It doesn't matter if you can dunk it. It doesn't matter if you can you know have some fancy layup or about. You got to know the fundamentals. This is part of the fundamentals of your Christian faith. Albert Einstein said this. He said, once you stop learning, you start dying. Once you stop learning, you stop dying. I came across an article recently in Inc. Magazine, which of course is a business magazine. And it was an article called, Four Reasons You Should Never Stop Learning. And it's an article encouraging businessmen to always be learners and businesswomen. And here's four things that they came up with four reasons why you should always learn. Number one, you'll be happier. When you learn things, you become happier. You're, you accomplish something. Same thing in Christianity. When you learn something, you keep growing. You keep expanding. Number two, you'll, you'll become irreplaceable on your team. So in business, if you keep learning and keep learning and keep learning, your value increases in your business. You're not just a one man, you're not just a, 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 a one work guy or a one thing person. You become a master at multiple things and then you become invaluable to the company. Think about that in terms of Christianity. You want to go deeper and grow deeper and grow deeper and become a valuable key in the kingdom. Number three, it keeps you humble. When you're learning 
to learn, you have to get in a posture of humility. You have to say, I don't know something. I want to learn something. And you get in this posture of humility. It keeps you humble. And finally, you're able to become a great coach. Once you learn more and learn more, you can teach others. You can lead others. You become a great coach. These are values we need in the kingdom. Get in Christian community. Become a lifelong learner. Get in Christian community and become a lifelong learner. I told you these are very simple, but we all need to hear it. Final thing I want you to develop, and that is develop a regular prayer life. Develop a regular prayer life. Practice regular prayer. Because the older I get, the more I can't get away from the amazing gift and the amazing opportunity God has given us in prayer. Prayer is, is so simple, but yet it's so powerful. God has given us the opportunity to pray to Him, and He's opened up heaven's doors. He's opened up the throne room of heaven, and He's asking us to come and to come boldly before Him and make all of our requests known, and He hears us and He responds. Come on, somebody, that is a powerful I don't know of anything more powerful than that. I want you to listen to this. In the book of Daniel, chapter 6, the Bible says that, that the king was getting ready to make Daniel the second in power over all the kingdom. The king was getting ready to make him second in power of all the kingdom. And so the other royal subjects heard this and knew what the king was intending to do. And so they devised a plan to take Daniel out. And so they came to the king and they said, King... Uh, let's make a law that no one in the kingdom can petition any other god except the king. And they knew that this would affect Daniel because they knew he was a Jew and they knew that he was dedicated and they knew that he prayed on a regular basis. So they made this law and the document was signed by the king. And in Daniel chapter 6 verse 10, the Bible says, When Daniel knew that the document was signed. He entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks to his God as he had been doing previously. As he had been doing previously. As he had a habit of doing as he had developed the system of doing. And then he comes before the king. They're getting ready to throw him in the lion's den. And the king can't get away from his command. But nonetheless, the king loved Daniel. So it says the king gave orders and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, Your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. Your God who you constantly serve will Himself... He's going to do it, Daniel. I've watched your life. I know the system you've built of prayer. I know the habit you've built of praying. And God's going to honor you. Oh, hallelujah. Develop a system in your life of prayer. 
a constant habit of going before the Lord and praying. I don't know how, what that looks like for you. Some people love to get up early in the morning and make it the first thing. Some people love to pray at night. Some people like to go in the middle of the day and get off alone. I don't know. I have a friend who's one of the most dedicated people of prayer I know. And this guy's always made it his, his, his daily routine to get away in the afternoon sometime and just go somewhere and spend serious time with the Lord. Let me give you three examples of great prayer, and then we're going to close in prayer, and I'm going to let you guys go here. First of all is Hezekiah. Isaiah comes into Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 20, and he tells him, he says, your life's going to, you, only, you only have so much time to live, you're, you're leaving here. You're going out of here. Your life's coming to an end. He was sick unto death. And so Hezekiah got the message, and Hezekiah didn't waste time. He turned his face to the wall, and he prayed, reminding God how he had walked with him as a youth. And the Bible says that before Isaiah could even leave the king's palace, God answered Hezekiah's prayer and sent the prophet back to tell him, oh, hey, by the way, God has just added 15 years to your life. That, my brothers and sisters, is the power of prayer. Before the prophet could even get out of the, of the palace, God had answered that man and turned around the situation and added 15 years to his life. Think about the story of Hannah. Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah was childless, and she was one of several wives of her husband. It's the way things went back then. And so the other wives would come and, and would uh, ridicule her because she could have no children. So what did Hannah do? Hannah came before the Lord at the tabernacle, and she prayed. And the Bible says she prayed, and she wept at the house of the Lord. And it says she did this year after year. She had developed a system. She had developed a habit of praying and asking God year by year by year, Lord, give me a child. And sure enough, God gave her a baby and she went back and turned that, that young boy into the tabernacle and dedicated him to the house of the Lord. His name was Samuel. And then she went on and had other kids after that. And look what Samuel did. That's the answer to prayer to someone who had developed a system of praying, and a habit of praying. One more. It's the church in the book of Acts, chapter 12. King Herod had Peter arrested and put him in prison. He had just uh, ordered the killing of James, and now and it pleased people, so then he went after Peter. He put Peter in prison, but something different happened this time. The Bible says the church offered continuous prayer continuous prayer to God for him and these prayers reached out to the throne room of God and God came even though Peter was evidently chained to or surrounded by soldiers the Bible says that God came and set him free and let him go and it was such a stunning reversal that when he showed up at the church's prayer meeting and he knocked on the door Someone went and answered the door and said, hey, it's Peter. And the church said, no, it can't be Peter. He's in prison. 
haven't you been praying for Peter? They were consistently praying and didn't even realize the power the prayer had set that guy free. John Wesley said this, God does nothing but by prayer and he does everything with it. Andrew Murray said, beware in your prayers above everything else of limiting God. Not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know what He can do. Because you need to expect the unexpected things. He said, above all that we ask or we think. Corey Ten Boom asked, is prayer your steering wheel or is prayer your spare tire? Is prayer your steering wheel or is prayer your spare tire? I want to challenge you to develop a regular system in your life of praying and asking God for those great things in your life. Get a prayer journal. Write down. See what God does. See, make two columns. One, one's your prayer request. On the other hand, on the other side are the answers that you'll go back and fill in. And I can guarantee you, as you pray earnestly in faith, in Jesus' name, according to the Bible, that you're going to see God answer prayer after prayer after prayer as you consistently build that habit in your life. And as you see the answers come, it's going to stoke your faith to pray and to believe God for more and more more and more. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Get in Christian community. Be a constant lifelong learner and develop a system of prayer in your life. And these habits are going to take us into the end that God has for us. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I had a man tell me one time, he said, he said, Hans, if I, I believe if I was in ministry, that it would just cause me to live better. I'd really live the life if I was like a preacher or something. And I thought, dude, you better live the life now. We don't, that's backwards thinking. You know, it's backwards thinking. Don't, I, and I told this guy, I said, you know what? If you get into ministry, you have a great big bullseye on your back. And the devil's coming after you. You should have developed already the systems of holiness in your life before you step out and try to do something like that for God. Develop these systems in your life. Get in strong Christian community and accountability and growth. Get a become a learner. Start reading Christian books, listening to Christian tape, listen to podcasts, listen to people preach on YouTube. Come on. These are people who are hungry for God. I love it when people in the church come up and say, Pastor, I just read a new book. Or Pastor, I just listened to a podcast. Gosh, it was so good. Or man, I was listening to so-and-so preach on YouTube. Yeah, it tells me you're hungry. You're pursuing God. I love that. And then finally, pray, pray, and pray, and pray, and develop that system in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout amen this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, if you're listening to me right now, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Maybe you've never accepted the Lord in your life, and maybe you've never received that or accepted that call to become a disciple. Maybe you've never said, yes, Lord, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to step out and become a learner of the ways of Jesus. If that's you right now, 
I want to pray with you, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to say this prayer with me. I want all the church listening right now to pray with us. And if you're new and you're accepting the Lord this morning, I want you to write it in. We're on Facebook Live right now. If you're on Facebook, write it in. If not, send us a text, send us an email, contact us some way, and let us know what you did. It's very important that you speak out. It's very important that you tell someone what you did. You need to confess it and get it out there. Come on, pray with me right now. Father... I repent of all sins. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Cleanse me from all sin. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And help me to serve you for all of my days. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say amen. Number two, I want to pray for you who need healing in your bodies this morning. Come on, stretch out your hand right now. I know a lot of people have been through sickness and some are in the hospitals and stuff in our church. Come on, let's just stretch out your hand and pray with me right now. Believe it by faith. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray for healing to go right now. Go into the bodies and minds and hearts of people who need healing right now who are watching us. Right now, God, there's no distance with you. Father, I'm seeing miracles overseas on a monthly basis, and now, God, I'm trusting and believing you for miracles this morning in the church right now. Heal bodies. We rebuke anxiety. We rebuke depression right now from people's lives. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit be released right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your hands right where you are. Some of you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in the Spirit right now. Just lift up your hands right now. Holy Spirit, come. Feel everyone watching, God, who's, who's reaching out by faith and believing you to be filled. Lord, touch right now, God. Move in their lives, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and fill their lives right now. Come on, if you need to be baptized in the Spirit, go ahead and begin praising Him aloud right now. Go ahead and lift your voice and begin praising Him. And as you continue to praise Him, allow your voice, allow your language to change into the language of the Spirit. Allow the words to come out that's words of the Spirit right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we give you praise. God, we give you praise this morning. Hallelujah. Come on. The church, just give Him praise. Just give Him praise, folks.